but I would be grateful for that thing I learned about me in that process, mm. which was even in that kind of high performance, edgy environment, I was already like, this is going to be about people for me. Hi, and welcome to Helping People Perform, the podcast that gives you fascinating insights into those people whose chosen vocation is to help others perform at their best. From consultants to teachers, sports coaches to financial advisors, all of my guests share a passion for getting the most out of individuals, teams and organisations. Enjoy the episode. Hi everyone and welcome to another episode of the Helping People Perform podcast. Today I am joined by Gary Armstrong who is the founder and coach at Pinnacle Coaching and Development. Great to have you on board here today Gary, welcome. Thanks very much for having me, Paul. Lovely to be here. Absolute pleasure. Well, um, before we get into a bit more about Pinnacle and what you do in that space, uh, can you give us a bit of a background in terms of what got you to where you are today? Oh, that's a big question. I'll try and keep this brief, Paul, <laughs> as brief as I possibly can. Um, so uh, background-wise, I've had... Uh, I'm going to badge it as a wide and varied career, and I've been very lucky. Uh, I graduated with a degree in economics way back. Love that subject. Um, it's, it's all about how uh, why people do what they do, and that will become relevant later on. And right. um, I then went into business. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I just knew I was going to do some stuff in business. So I was a management consultant for uh, um, about nine years at two different consulting firms. It was all very analytical, lots yeah. of international flying about, that sort of stuff. Um, but we did a lot of work in healthcare, biotech, pharma. And um, if there is a theme running through my um, my career, it would be a real willingness to maybe do, do, do some different stuff. Nothing like wildly different. You're not going to hear some of the variety that you've got in your background. But I think what I've always been looking for is trying to figure out what is that thing I should be doing. And I knew it wasn't management consulting after a little while. Uh, I then, after eight or nine years doing that, I was then brought and um, kind of headhunted to go in-house um, at a large uh, healthcare pharmaceutical company. So effectively kind of do what I've been doing in, in, in management consulting. But already the red thread was kind of there, which was I was figuring out that I liked to help people get better at what they do, I had this sort of compassionate streak of hating to see people stuck or suffering or not 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 you know being as effective as they could be that sort of thing um and i've been blessed in my time at, at, at GlaxoSmithKline. i'm um i'm actually i've recently just left right. but i had 16 years there where i started on the business side and my exit has been very solidly on the on the people side so i'm in in the people stuff in gsk happens in hr we still call it human human resources um but i'm on i get to be on the really lovely end of hr which is i'm in learning development coaching uh leadership development i will sort of spare you all the gory details of the stops along the way but i, I have to say i've been really lucky i worked in the pharmaceutical side but also in the consumer healthcare side so we sell things like toothpaste and yeah. painkillers and stuff and i did some business roles there had a long stint as i was transitioning into into hr i did that via quite a long stint in the kind of broader office of the ceo in the uh, in the kind of um area that supports the chief executive his and then her team yeah. i ran a development program and that and then i moved really solidly into people development, leadership programs, coaching. And I had lots of lovely, great sponsors and people who helped me along the way and lots of kind of opportunity to, to sort of get there. That's the quick version. And that pull through was always like, how can I get better at 
um, and get closer and do more full time. This thing about helping people get where they want to go and yeah. be as good as they can be and figure out their purpose and all that. Oh, helping people before me, you've, you've come to the right place. Well, this is it. I mean, this is this is how our paths crossed, isn't it? <laughs> it is, is. Is we both knew a couple of people that were like, you two should talk to each other. <laughs> no, oh, that's that's brilliant and a, and a lovely um, sort of varied. Uh, and, and I can align to some of those elements and experiences along the way, the consultancy world and then moving more in-house and things like that. And um, just interested to, to pick up on a couple of the points in terms of management consultancy. It's a specific world. It's a specific uh, operating model in terms of how people uh, work and play and do all the rest of it. Um, um, what were some of your key learnings from that space that you, um, either the good, the bad, the ugly? <coughs> Wow. It was a foundational time in my career. Uh, I mean, I thought I worked um, pretty hard at, uh, I know a lot of people don't work hard at uni, but I thought I worked quite hard at uni and then I joined management consulting. My goodness me, I found out what, what long hours was and, and that sort of thing. Um, so I, what, what did I learn? I learned a couple of things early on, which was get good at some like some kind of almost basic technical things, mm. um, some things that like, and I'm going to be really specific here, like just get really good at running numbers on a spreadsheet, producing a forecast, writing a document, writing a presentation, get, just get really good and efficient at doing those. And though, and I will always be grateful for those skills. It's just sort of part of my, my range. Um, I picked up a really, uh, strong understanding of client service and quality. Um, I worked with the managing partner of the of the London office, one of the firms I work with. Um, I'm still in contact with him a little bit, but he had really good ethics around. If we're going to do this, we're going to do it well. Mm -hmm. He wasn't. Um, he 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 was also very balanced in his approach to things. But I absolutely got from him that that you know we're doing something if it's worth doing, and you're doing it for a client, do it well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, be be proud of what you do. Um, and I think probably that maybe the last, I mean, so much I took away from it, a lot of stamps in my passport. Right. That was amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, I look back at it, it was ridiculous. It was, it was a different time in my life. I, I didn't have my dependence and, um, I did, and it gave me an incredible belief in my ability to go into different companies and different situations and be useful and build relationships and, and help. Um, I think maybe the last thing that I would say I took from it though, was as I was figuring out, I probably wasn't going to be a career management consultant. I was mm -hmm. starting to ask myself, and I got a lot of support from my my first organization, actually, as I was exiting. I think they would have loved me to have stayed, and I, in many ways, would have loved to have stayed with them. But I was figuring out, why isn't this going to fit for me? What I figured out was if I was going to stay, the type of management consultant I was going to be was a bit of a firm builder and not in the business development go and build more clients, probably not a firm builder in the, I'm going to push forward on this practice area, but a firm builder around the people right? and the, them as individuals, their growth, their career, their development. I was like, oh, this is, that just had that affinity and warmth for me. So as well as learning all that great, great mm. management consulting stuff, and I know there's also some not great stuff. They are, as you said, specific environments <laughs> yeah. that, that if we're going to be judgmental, there, there are some things that I, that I don't always love, but I would be grateful for that thing I learned about me in that process, mm. which was even in that kind of high performance, edgy environment, I was already like, this is going to be about people for me on some level down the line. That's it that way. Nice.
Yeah, I mean, I, I'll, I'll certainly echo some of those lessons. I, I spent a few years in, in that world and it's, uh, um, I did see a transition actually in, in terms of going from the sort of 20 hours a day working is the best thing in the world that, you know, you, you, that's the thing to do to impress clients moving through to a, you need a more sustainable approach to mm. your delivery and, uh, and looking after the people in the organization as well with it, with the company that I work for. And I noticed that in quite a few others as well. So yeah. it's a, I think it's changing, isn't it? That world. It's, it's got to, if you're a management consultant and you're dishing out advice, you, you've kind of got to role model it a bit. And a lot of them do have now like practices around human development, organization consulting, organization development. You can't be kind of shipping in these sort of 23 year olds who look like, you know, they're bog eyed and you can tell they've been working all night mm. on a, on a spreadsheet and a PowerPoint in a hotel room. It's not, it's not a good look. <laughs> so you made that move from the management consultancy more in house. Um, how did you find that? What were you, you know, what was the culture yeah. shift for you um, oh, and how did it fit? Absolutely immense. It happened in two stages. My first consulting firm was small, entrepreneurial, everyone did everything. Uh, it was a deliberate choice when I when I um, actually kind of left uni going way back. I wanted that sort of experience. I actually then joined a larger consulting firm, which had a big legacy business. And that was already like, a, oh, there's a lot of process and systems and a lot more structure around this. And it's a lot more commercial. Right. We report quarterly results, that sort of thing, having come from a sort of privately held smaller consulting firm. And then you go into a large corporate organization. It was GlaxoSmithKline. It was a few, yeah, a good few years after it, you know, a, a merger, lots and lots of mergers in, in healthcare as in lots of industries. Uh, so the culture shock was all around, how do I get stuff done around mm. here? Um, I figured out that, it, and it still is in many, many ways, like lots of company, lots of companies, lots of Anglo-American companies, very warm, people-centered, highly networked, um, organization and a great inspiring organization in many ways but you've almost got to kind of get in there become part of the network build your relationships yeah. the emphasis in in my previous career on being able to churn through problems you know get get stuff done be competent and um, be um innovative not that the that, that big companies aren't innovative it was a little i had to pick up a whole bunch of other things about how do we get stuff done? Mm. Um, and one of my big reflections, you asked about the lots of great things about the culture. Mm. Lots and lots of great things. One thing I did notice though was it was a bit siloed. I remember I've been in there for a couple of years and and I still had this, well, there's a problem. Mm. We'll we'll just come together as a group. We'll, we'll work on that, won't we? And I would run into oh, no, yeah, well, we need someone from finance and we need that's that's a business problem or that's an HR problem. And it was maddening. I'm like, it's nice. It's, not, it's just something that we all need to do, isn't it? And yeah. why why is it? So I kind of had, and I've learned actually the, the, there's also a beauty in that and you want expertise from the right people and a bit of respect for, for process and people's turf and domain and that kind of thing. But yeah. I had to learn my big company um, ways of getting stuff done. There's yeah. probably people listening to this who's like, he never learned it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I know um, our mutual friend Phil. Uh, big shout out to Phil on, on the cast here. Um, is uh, one of his core skills. I've known Phil from university days, and one of his core skills is just helping people get together in an organisation like that and just find a path forward and get people together and get them to collaborate. So uh, I think that's a, a really useful skill and, uh, and skill set in its own right, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he. Let's make this the Phil podcast briefly. He is brilliant at that, and that, that's when our paths crossed about 
three years ago, we were both working on a really significant bit of work for the for the company. Phil was in a very, very hot seat and he did exactly what you just described. He brought it's almost that um, stereotypical archetypal diverse group of people, competing needs, pressured timescale, lots at stake. Um, he was in a hot, hot seat to hold a lot of us together. Yeah. I was the HR person and uh, like in many organisations, you know, HRs were, were the whipping boy. Um, not entirely, that's not entirely true, but uh, but Phil was is, is really good at that and he, he's got that skill. And it's a really, yeah, organisations are funny things mm-hmm. and they um, there are sometimes, often roles a little bit like Phil's role, not Phil specifically, but the role that he plays, they can get trimmed out of organisations. Mm. The people that make it work, and they often have like funny title, not not even that funny, they'll be a programme manager or a chief of staff or, or whatever. Mm. They provide this really important glue, lubrication, stick, whatever. Mm. Tra- they minimise all those sticky transactions that, that could happen between people. They keep us all going in the right direction. They often work with a leader as well. Really important roles. Really important. Right, that's enough about bigging up, Phil. Yeah. You'll never get over this. (laughs) Good, good. So um, moving then into what you do now. So uh, with Pinnacle, um, who do you help and how do you help them? Thank you. Uh, I don't want to be too broad. You're always told to niche Mm. niche yourself. But I I have a kind of a broad purpose, which is I essentially help people who are stuck in some way. I help them get unstuck. And that often looks like, finding their direction, their clarity, their purpose. Mm. And then I help them bring that into life. And that might be, there's a few ways I do that. I do that using a coaching skill set specifically. And by coaching, I mean the kind of um, real, it's either the really hard or soft end of coaching. The bit bit where I'm not telling you at all what I think you should do. So I'm not consulting. I am tuning in with you deeply trying to ask you absolutely the right questions that helps you get unstuck and move in the right way. So I might do that coaching um, for you in your career, Mm. or I might do that with you around you as an individual or you as a leader and your impact on on other people. Mm. So that's part of it. I also work with teams and groups of people. So I've got a background in in what's known as organisation development, and that is all about healthy, high-performing organisations and all the amazing inspirational but also odd weird frustrating and mad stuff that happens when people come together to try and do something right um so i've got a a background in that and i do that kind of work a little bit still with a kind of consulting mindset but uh, with a coaching mindset and skill set but you're a bit more consulting you've got a bit more license to lean in and and say for example to a group a team or have you got a vision for this group? How does the strategy line up to that? Right. Let's get a bit more tactical. Where are you at with your group development? You know, ha- ha- how are you getting this stuff done? So that's, that's kind of really it in a nutshell. I'm all about helping, as I said, mentioned right at the beginning, it's almost uh, it's almost physically painful for me to experience someone who is, or a group who are not where they could be. Right. And that often manifests as a feeling of, stuckness a feeling of maybe not knowing what to do frustration a sense that we're not where we could be and i've just put an enormous amount and will forever for the rest of my career put an enormous amount of effort into trying to be good at helping people get out of that place into a better place and propel them along that along that journey oh wonderful um yeah that's the high level nutshell (laughs) and are there any particular um 
uh, areas, any particular uh, fields that you work with, any particular organisations, or, or do you throw yourself out there open to all? I, well, brilliant question. If I'm coaching, if I'm super, super honest, where is my um, niche tended to be and what's my uh, my affinity? If I start with um, individuals and people, tends to be that I'm best with folks who are a little bit into their career, so maybe mid-career, early to mid-career. Yep. Um, they tend and then it leans into the backgrounds that i've got so professionals and all allied things so consultants bankers lawyers anyone in that that sort of domain but it has been extremely broad it professionals project managers etc um so when i'm doing career coaching it can actually be pretty pretty broad um if i'm in organizations i do tend to sort of also believe that it helps if you're credible to the organization that you're working with so clearly i've got background in consulting let's call it professional services more broadly yeah. and also healthcare biotech pharmaceutical so industry wise i sort of tend to to specialize in in those spaces yeah that said though um i do a bit of voluntary coaching for for example a level students i work with a great charity called giving time okay if you ever want to take on a really challenging if there's any any coaches listening try coaching a 17 18 year old Try like coaching 17 18 year old who is used to wonderful wonderful experience amazing people they're used to being taught or parented mm. or mentored or whatever and you engage in a coaching relationship where you're fundamentally giving them the power and the direction you're listening and asking questions and facilitating them super challenge but also incredibly rewarding yeah. so i kind of mentioned that partly to your comment do i sort of put myself out broadly yeah. i'm not sure anyone can coach anyone or anyone can necessarily help anyone that effectively mm. but particularly when i've got the coaching hat on i do think that is a really broadly effective skill set yeah and can really help you know kind of broad group of people yeah i remember having the conversation in an earlier episode with laura siddle where we we're talking about uh, she's an international triathlete and, uh, and sort of world champion in that space and the coaching support that she gets and like does it have to be someone who is from that triathlete world you know does your coach have to be someone with the specific experience that you are going through mm. and um and yeah it's a, it's it's an interesting dynamic where sometimes it helps sometimes it hinders uh, and it's much more about the relationship that you can get with people and the um the sort of chemistry that you have with your coach isn't it yeah, I couldn't agree more. And um, I'm, a, I'm not on law. I listened to the Laura episode, by the way. I yeah. thought it was super interesting. And it always brings to mind um, that the sports game, uh, the, the, so I'm a runner outside of when I'm doing all this work. Right. Um, and I don't coach people as a running coach yet, but I think I might down the line. And I've got a little bit of qualification in that. And part of what Laura brought to mind and always comes to mind with sports coaching is fundamentally what you said it's a person-to-person -person thing mm. there's at least as much mind as there is body involved in this mm. and um so that kind of not just the chemistry but the ability and willingness to see them as a whole human being not just as an athlete they're not a they're not a machine mm. i think there's also something really interesting I was listening years ago um particularly people like laura who are like right on the, the top end of this if you're if you're out there and all sports evolve and they change and all all industries they all evolve and change what you if you're right on the edge of something 
and you're interested in pushing your boundary or the boundary of the field that you're in, you're at some point you're going to reach your limit and the limit of anyone else who's either been there before and nobody's been there before because they're not you. Right. Nobody's been there in the way that you're there when you're leading your company or that team. So that's why I kind of lean towards the coaching rather than the consulting and the mm. and the, the mentoring so much because what I'm really intrigued with, well, how does it look like where you are? Mm. What's the edge for you that you're stepping onto? What do you need to do that? And, and n- nobody knows that better than the person in the in the situation yeah. and I, th- I find that relentlessly kind of fascinating because it's the it's it's relentlessly like unique isn't it everyone's in a mm-hmm. everyone's everyone's on their own frontier whatever they do yeah that high performance can mean anything for for anybody at any stage really can't it in, in absolutely yeah. yeah so uh, about that running i know you uh you're, you're in the podcast world yourself as well yeah get yeah. into that yeah tell us well, a little bit more about that Thank you. And you've, you've, we're actually at the pilot stage. You were extremely kind and gave some, you did exactly um, what I needed, actually. You gave some really good, um, candid balance. So you said about the positive, but you also gave us some really good uh, improvement feedback. So yeah, I'm working with uh, a colleague, a friend, uh, Ed Perry. Uh, he's, he had an idea for a podcast about a year ago. Uh, it's currently just in the development stage. It's, it's called the Run Alive podcast, and we're going to explore this kind of interesting overlap that we both spotted. We're both runners. Yeah. We're both in in human development. We know there's a lot of people in the world of human development coaching who also have a bit of a running story in their lives. So mm. we're trying to put together kind of almost a um, a bit of a, I mean, everyone wants their podcast to be unique, right? But yeah. um, exploring episodes in the lives of our, of our guests, trying to pull out their unique lessons that we can share with other people um, I think there'll be there will be a theme of running through this, but what we're definitely not doing is interviewing a runner about their career. Right. We're going to maybe talk to an entrepreneur who's got a unquenchable run habit, and what we might actually really be talking to them about is, well, tell us about your business and tell us about the critical moment or the critical failure. Yeah. Um, there will be a bit of a running three theme, sort of go, you know going through it, but um, it's really it's seeking to be one of those kind of wisdom podcasts, right? That, yeah that gives people lots to chew on and helps them get where they want to get in their lives. Ah, great. No, I'm, I've been scribbling down. Anybody's watching the video can see me scribbling down a few notes. I've got a couple of names again come to mind that I'm ah. going to uh, pass on to you as well as potential guests. I appreciate that. <laughs> appreciate that. Thank you. Um, yeah, so moving on to the, the next part of the uh, the podcast here, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about how do you get your performance up- mm. uplifted? You know, Who do you go to? Who helps you perform? Yeah. Gosh, yeah. Um, there's a few. Being being in the people development world, I've got a, a wide network. And one of the great things about hanging around with people in, particularly coaches, is they cannot. I can't. We can't help ourselves. We're like always asking each other. If you 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 book in like a catch up, and very quickly you're like being asked deep, penetrating <laughs> questions by your network. So if I'm really honest, I get a lot from my peers. Um, people who who I kind of hang out with in the coaching space. A really important thing for me, which I've just reinitiated, is as a coach, you're you're meant to get supervision. Right. And that's uh, you know, the process of having a trained professional who you can go to and helps you basically kind of sharpen your edge as a coach. Yeah. Help actually help you do a bit of psychological unburdening. Um just help you 
work through whatever it is that's coming up for you as you do as you do your work and help you um, improve and kind of reach towards excellence. So I've had that in in the past. I've just um, in the last couple of days just actually fixed up a new supervisor relationship going forward, which I'm I'm kind of very much looking forward to. Yeah. So I've got got a, those are a couple of people. I mean, other stuff that I do. Yeah. I mean, I genuinely am a huge consumer of podcasts right. <laughs> and a real kind of reflector and I'll save them and I'll go back to them. And there's lots in the domain of coaching and people development. And there's some real heroes that I've, I've, I've picked up in, uh, in those. And uh, I get an enormous amount from that. Um, I also do a huge, well, I say huge, a relatively decent amount of reading. Right. Um, it's just the engine um, I realized of a lot of what I do is having some kind of some sort of intellectual property behind me mm. that I can really lean on. I'm just massively curious as well. Yeah. Um, um, I do that. And then kind of the last one that comes to mind is um, a couple of things. I'm just about to join a um, uh, kind of a bit of a network group right. um, who are specifically together to synthesize all of the research in the space that i operate in and share that with professionals like mine and who host discussion groups and that kind of thing the the link there is being evidence-based is really important to me as much as i can so i'm kind of keen to be part of that and then the the last thing is kind of friends family Mm. um in the last few years i've got um fascinated with the idea about finding people i know inspirational and looking for almost common forms of inspiration in my friends network what they're doing what they're not doing and just really appreciating their bravery or whatever it is that they sort of bring to the party um there's something i realized that i sort of um it was important to me to find that around me not just get that from you know heroes who are kind of all the way over there i wanted it to be more almost more everyday and commonplace for me so yeah yeah a bit of all of that really oh nice um, and I'm guessing running as well is uh, is probably an area that that helps oh. sharpen the mind. Is that when you do a lot of podcast listening or complete? Do you know I don't. I'm not a. I've been through phases of listening yeah, to music okay. and podcasts. When I run, I generally don't have anything in my ears. Nice. Um, depending on what kind of uh, whether I'm running with a group or not. But um, one of my favourite things to do is just to plan a bit of a run, uh, go out on my own and just enjoy it, pre- right. appreciate it, and. Um, uh, I, you know, usually that runner's high kicks in about 20, 25 minutes in and can last for a while. And you'll suddenly be like, oh, some, day, some days when I get a good long run in, I come back and I say to my wife, it's like I've kind of been on holiday. Right. I've, you just get a break mm-hmm. from everything and your mind just wonders. And it is in, I'm really lucky that I find, and lots of people find it in lots of different things. Mm-hmm. I just feel especially lucky that I get to combine my, sort of obsession and fascination and sort of deep need for physical activity into this thing that I find really like refreshing. Oh, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> lovely stuff. Um, and so a couple of uh, sort of shorter questions now around if you were able to help any individual team or organization with the skill set that you've got and you think you can make a difference and help them perform, who would you want that to be? An individual team or organization. So I kind of got there's two competing things in my mind. I'm gonna one's a bit of a cheat, and then one is actually quite specific. The first group of people that I cut across organisations, I've got a bit of a passion for people who are in their first leadership role, right. and I work with people across the leadership spectrum. Some very experienced, some kind of brand new. 
but I've got this real desire to want to help people who particularly, and it often happens in technical professions as well, like management consulting and other things, where you get given some leadership responsibility and you've not been prepared for it right. or and or they're not supported as you step into it. Mm. And oh, that just breaks my heart. And there's and, and I do believe that like well-run, well-managed organisations are the cornerstone of a well-functioning society. And just think about the impact that your manager, I mean, we've both been managed, we've both been yeah. managers, right? Mm. The impact that you can have positive or negative on the people around you, not just the performance of the organization, but the person, the people mm. who are in your team and your colleagues. So yeah, that group to guide them, help them make their first steps into, into leadership and ease that burden. If I had to pick an organization and uh, you were good enough to give me a little heads up on this question. I went round and round on this. This might be a weird answer for people. I think I actually like to help the police, not okay. and not not Sting's group from the. Most, <laughs> um, don't think they need my help. But actually, I've got this a bit of a thing that I think the the police, the policing organisation. I think they perform a really important role mm. in in society. I'm not saying it because I think they necessarily massively need my help. Mm. Maybe it more comes from me that I think they perform a really important role. I think they do something that's really, really difficult. And I think it's quite a high, um, quite a high burden, quite psychologically, quite tough. Yep. Um, and I know it's also an organization with um, some great leadership in it, but there is also a structure and it's quite hierarchical mm. and there's, there's a way of running it. And also, I suppose, maybe a bit intrigued to understand how that works and and what it's like. But it's, yeah, I'd be intrigued to help them just because I think they're sort of, you know, they're part of the fabric of society and maybe mm. a bit, you know, we all, uh, when we need them, we call them, don't we? And we can be disparaging about them and ignore them and even to the extreme ends of, you yeah. know, kind of hateful towards them. But when you need the police and you want law and order, you want it. So I think mm. uh, just that group came to mind for me. Yeah. Oh great! My uh, my sister's uh, a police officer um, oh. uh, over in New Zealand these days, but she she used to her Warren used to be over in Hammersmith, but uh, but yeah, she's she's over over in New Zealand now. And some of the work that um, that she gets involved with in terms of you know the not only the variety of it, but also the burden that you've got to come home with. Uh, you've yeah. got to deal with that in the moment and then go home and deal with your family. You know, everybody's got a job, but some of these roles and some of these specific roles that can be involved with it are psychologically being able to help people compartmentalize mm -hmm. or just uh, unwind, put something aside and say, that's work, that's that's home, whatever that might be to help people be at their best. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree. Well, pass on my best to her and let, let, <laughs> let, let, honestly let her know. I think she does a really important role and yeah. any role where you can, uh, in, in the matter of a normal working day, encounter something which is genuinely potentially traumatic, mm. that's a role that deserves respect and support and, and a bit of love from, from yeah. all of us, I think. Well, uh, this has been far too kind to both friends and family here today. I know. <laughs> we're, all, we're all about other people, Paul. What yeah. would you expect? Yeah, exactly. So um, so just flipping that on its head a little bit then, if you could sit down and have a cup of coffee, have a drink with any individual or, or, or even a team or organisation to help your performance, who would you want that to be? I would love to sit down with some people who've been into space, astronauts. Yeah. I've got this enduring... But moment for a bit of disclosure. My, my surname's Armstrong, and my uh, wonderful brother's actually his first. His first name is Neil. <laughs> he's, he's about my age. My parents named him Neil Armstrong. That is a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, 
totally irrespective of that. Hmm. Astronauts fascinate me. I think they they clearly do a very special, unique job. They do it under immense high pressure. It requires teamwork. Um, they're pushing, really pushing the boundaries of things. There's actually a a bit of, I think, a service to humanity going on when they do what they do well because they they do everything from keeping the kind of communication satellites running through to more almost existential things about helping us question what is life all about and what's possible and our place in the universe. But above all, back to performance. I mean, mm. they they are in many ways the best of us, right? And they do extraordinary things. Mm. Wouldn't mind um, a couple of hours with an astronaut, get inside their head, might discover the truth about. I'd love to find out they're just human beings as well, because I've probably got them on a on a pedestal. Yeah. Uh, and a few years ago, I was at a work conference, and a guy called Chris Hadfield, who was a he's Canadian, hmm. and he was an astronaut. He was at NASA, spent a lot of time in space, and I saw him speak um, for for about an hour. Uh, one of the most informative, inspirational, emotional, um, our best hours of my life. It was right. absolutely brilliant, and. Uh, yeah, well, Chris Hadfield, if you if you do listen to this, yeah. I'll give you my contact details at the end. <laughs> I probably can't afford him. But, yeah. If we've got Chris or any other astronauts out there, then do get in touch with Gary. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm intrigued. Which brings us to a lovely little segue into this uh, this final bit. But how do people get in touch? How do people find out more about you, about Pinnacle, about your podcast? Yeah, absolutely. There's the, there's no mystery. So um, best thing, a couple of ways to reach me. The old... I was going to say traditional way. Not sure it is that traditional, but you can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Gary Armstrong, yeah. Pinnacle Coaching and Development. Um, Pinnacle's got a website, and that's pinnaclecoaching.net. Um, through both of those, you can uh, actually just find me. You can go ahead and get half an hour in my diary. You can you can look for a slot there. And, um, yeah, watch out for the Run Alive podcast coming out. I think it's a few weeks, uh, possibly months away from us unveiling it, and I'm not even sure what platform we'll be on yet. Let's say all the usual ones uh, will we'll be doing that. Um, but yeah, those are some of the ways you can reach me and uh, I'm sure we'll probably chuck my uh, contact details in the uh, in the, uh, the show notes. Certainly will. They'll all be there, all those links. And uh, uh, Gary, really appreciate the conversation today. Some fascinating stuff and, uh, and best of luck with Pinnacle and all the great work that you're doing uh, from here on in. Thanks a lot, Paul. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Cheers now. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you liked what you heard, then please give the podcast a rate, review and share. I'm Paul Teasdale, and from sausage making to banking, oil and gas to Formula One, I help people perform. If you'd like to find out more and have a conversation, contact me via helpingpeopleperform.com.